Despite being in the middle of a desert, Las Vegas gets some of the freshest fish around, which totally makes sense given the demand. And it also explains why there's an abundance of really excellent Japanese food in the valley, which I'm going to tell you, it's not just your grandpa's sushi anymore. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I'm here with food influencer Philip Zhang, a.k.a. Las Vegas Phil. He gives us a rundown of the best of the best Japanese food in town at all price points. So get ready for some real hidden gems and insider tips. It's Wednesday, June 21st. I'm David Figler, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Philip Zhang, a.k.a. Las Vegas Phil. Welcome back to CityCast Las Vegas. Thanks for having me back. Well, I'm glad I get my turn up with you because I am always interested in the food scene in Las Vegas, and you have such a depth of knowledge. And today we're going to be talking about Japanese cuisine. Absolutely. Japanese food is one of my favorite cuisines. I tell anyone and everyone that I can literally eat Japanese food, specifically sushi, three times a day, every day. I want to just kind of dig in here because Japanese cuisine has become a mainstay uh, of Las Vegas, especially when it comes to high-end strip hotels. I mean, I'm thinking about Nobu, Mizumi at the Wynn, Yellowtail at Bellagio. Phil, when did Las Vegas cement its reputation as a high-end Japanese dining destination? That's a great question. I would say maybe early 2010s. Off the Strip, it honestly started with Raku. Uh, which was Mitsuo Endo's uh, foray into like a more of a higher end izakaya style food. Izakaya meaning like uh, Japanese bar food. And mm-hmm. then on the strip, I believe there were two places. There was like Hakumi, which used to be at Caesar's Palace, and then the one at Bellagio, which really kind of showed that it was more, you know, Japanese food was more than just uh, a teppanyaki or like a hibachi grill show. Right. And that was, you know, famous in Las Vegas for a really long time. The very ornate uh, and used to be way more ornate Benihana over at the property that's now called the Westgate. And it's still there. It's still running probably 50 years. (laughs) That's a long time. Incredible. And that's that whole village area that they have set up is still a really fun place to go, especially with families. Um, Hamada uh, was the big local one in town. Uh, Lots of restaurateurs and a lot of the people that have been in the Japanese food industry in Vegas kind of got their start there. Well, Phil, let's let's explore all the things that Las Vegas has to offer in terms of Japanese food. And, and I want to hit every kind of price point. So let's start with uh, our budget options. And just for, for listeners, let's start with $1 sign. What would you call the price range for $1 sign? And then what are going to be the best Japanese food picks in Las Vegas for that $1 sign? Absolutely. So I'm going to go with $1 sign is $20 to $50. Right off the bat, uh, Hachi has to be on the top of the list. Hachi is one of the best izakayas uh, in Las Vegas, located on Jones in the same plaza where District 1 is and Chubby Cattle. And they're packed nightly and they're open. I love that they're open late nightly as well to 2 a.m. Great skewers, uh, great mm-hmm. small plates, and it's just an awesome place to have drinks and kind of chill out. 
What's another good uh, dollar sign one? So many. Uh, my favorite ramen in Vegas, I get this question a lot, is uh, ramen hashi. And that's on Ooh. Spring Mountain. While their tong, tonkatsu ramen, their pork-based ramen, is not good, I really love their uh, creamy chicken broth ramen mm. known as the Tori Python. That is the must-have there. Noodles are great. They make them in-house. And you can get a bowl for, I think, like 12 bucks, uh, starting at. Uh, pretty no frills. They don't have like gyoza or karage or anything like that. It's really just you're in, you're out. Uh, enjoy your ramen. And that's such a great place. Uh, yeah. I don't usually go for the pork broth, so I am oh, glad perfect. that that's a good tip. So yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, so then, yeah, it's definitely one of the few places uh, on Spring Mountain that uses non-pork broth. It's such an excellent place. Uh, another one, an old school place, old school for Vegas is Curry Zen. Ooh. Japanese curry is its own whole different thing. You know, meat and rice with a Japanese curry, just a great hearty comfort food meal. Those run around maybe 12 to 25 if you get a, if you load up a crazy plate. And uh, that's a great place as well. That's really intriguing. I'm not the biggest curry fan, but when it's done right and it's not too spicy for my delicate disposition, uh-huh. I, I adore it. I'm curious though, Phil, what is the difference between Japanese curry and the ones that I'm probably more familiar with, Indian or Thai curry? So appearance-wise, Japanese curry is is more of a deep brown curry. I think you're just going to have to try it. I, you know, being a social <laughs> okay. media foodie, it's, it's actually honestly one of the toughest foods to to showcase on video because it doesn't look super appetizing um, yeah but it is um that's to me the definition of ugly delicious and uh it's a great ugly delicious yeah, i love it dish. yeah so what's the two dollar sign range and what are some of the best pops sure most of the two dollars uh range two dollar sign range uh, i would say range between fifty dollars and a hundred a uh, mm. lot of sushi places in this price range. Uh, one that's really off the beaten path, but I mean, my favorite place for sushi in Henderson has to be Tokyo Boys. Um, Chef Hira over there works in like a an old school looking fifties diner on what? Stephanie. Yeah, it's it's on it's a restaurant at Stephanie. I believe it used yeah it, it used to be a fifties diner. The outside still looks the same, but when you go in, you just have a sushi master at the counter just killing it nightly. Couple great values there are the chirashi bowl, which is a, a mix of sliced sashimi on sushi rice. I believe that's around thirty-five bucks, and that's a really good value. But um, really, when I go, it's all about making reservation at the counter, having Chef Hero there, and just serving up the best cuts of fish around. Primarily, uh, tons of tuna, and I would say that's going to be starting around maybe eighty-five dollars. Usually when I go, I they take it a little over the top for me, so it goes. It, it might hit like 150 after tax and tip, but such an excellent restaurant and the, to me the best sushi in Henderson. Wow, and I like that that is way off, you know, strip or the the Chinatown area. I like that all parts of the valley are kind of clicking in on it. Yeah, and I agree with you. I, I mean, when I go for sushi, it's the counter or I'll wait. I I just. I don't think there's anything that rivals the experience of just having that interaction with the sushi chef and kind of watching the process happen because they are uh, above and beyond everything else. They 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 serve up great food, but they're artists in the way that they uh, prepare this dish. So it's kind of like a, a a little bit of a show too. 
Absolutely. I remember last time I was at Tokyo Boys, you know, enjoying these masterful uh, pieces of nigiri and some other Japanese dishes. Someone called in and uh, asked if they made uh, sushi burritos. <laughs> and the which is the a sh- thing. I've heard <laughs> that expression. Thing, which is a thing, but an Americanized thing. And the, and the chef yeah. was traumatized that someone even Oh, even no. Asked. Oh, no. <laughs> he thought it was... He thought it was, it was, he was frustrated and thought it was funny at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good thing that person wasn't nearby. They might've gotten the uh, business end of a a sushi uh, knife on that one. Right. Okay. So what are some other good $2 ones? Uh, so I just want to mention a couple of the other sushi places, uh, Sushi Hiroyoshi on Jones and Charleston, a uh, small mm-hmm. mom and pop restaurant, also Shigatonin on Spring Mountain, massive cuts of fish over rice, and uh, Sushi Hero, which is on Eastern as well, all great places. Uh, one place I feel like deserves more notice is uh, Tori Dokoro. Uh, it's a restaurant owned by Raku on uh, West Flamingo, and they specialize in all things chicken, actually. They get their chickens from a private farm daily. They actually, I believe, kill the chickens that same day, and they serve up some of the freshest, best cuts of chicken anywhere, primarily yakitori style over a grill. But they Got do it. some rice dishes and ramen and all that kind of stuff as well. And then when they opened, they were actually serving chicken sashimi, um, which is what? definitely- Wait, wait, you, you've stopped me in my tracks. <laughs> you just said chicken sashimi, and I had to pause. Yes. They're not serving up raw chicken. Well, raw chicken is uh, actually a thing in Japan. First time I ever had it was in Japan when I lived there. Uh, they serve like cuts of raw chicken, kind of like sashimi style over rice, and uh, that's how you eat it. And being an American, obviously this was uh, – <laughs> took me a while to talk myself into doing this. How was it? How I, You've eaten it. So once I got over my whole thing, you know, my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time when she took me there, you know, I was just sitting there for 20 minutes like – looking at this and trying to explain to her as she's eating it, like, you don't understand how weird this is for an American to be eating raw chicken. Like, this is just sacrilege. And what's um, the name of this restaurant here in Vegas again? It's Tori Dokoro. Oh, wow. Yeah, Tori means uh, chicken in Japanese. Yeah. And, but they, so it's primarily for the Japanese guests. They actually served slices of raw chicken with a hot rock with the assumption that you could grill the chicken on the rock, but those in the know were just eating the chicken straight. The raw. backup hot rock, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 so right now, if I was adventurous, and I think you know the answer to that, but if I was adventurous, I could go get that raw chicken sashimi over at this location. You could. Um, they don't wow. advertise it anymore. A lot of people were talking about it initially when they posted. But yes, I believe you can still. My fundamental question, I'm going to move off of this because I think we talked about it enough, but even with sushi, there's so many sushi spots all over Las Vegas. And you mentioned some really good ones here in that, what we're calling the $2 sign range. But how can you tell if a sushi place is good? Uh, are they all kind of getting their sushi from the same place? What, what are the factors that make okay sushi, great sushi? Sure. First answer is yes. I believe there's only maybe two or three real um, big fish suppliers in town, and and they're all getting his stuff. 
Some would say sh some certain chefs have an inside track on the better cuts based on how much they're paying and things like that. But the best way for me to know, you know, I usually choose places that are Japanese owned. I, I avoid all you can eat sushi places. If cream cheese is on the menu, if deep fried rolls are on the menu, then I'm out. Red flags. Yes. And what makes great sushi for you? What is the, the, the touchstone factors of great sushi to LV Phil? It's the rice. I, the oh. rice is the vehicle uh, for everything else going on because like, like we mentioned before, if they're all getting from the same supplier, if they're, I mean, how, how does it stand out? It's definitely the rice and the care and how they kind of put it all together is, is really the most crucial thing to a, a good piece of sushi. Yeah. It, and, and again, going back to that sort of artisanal nature, just the assemblage really sets people apart. Totally. I mean, we've been to some places, obviously having spectacular cuts of fish, but you know, the, the rice can be kind of mushy sometimes mm -hmm. and it's just very off-putting and, and, and really, you know, sinks their rating for me. Got it. All right. Uh, let's move on to the big ones. Now, this isn't for everyone because, I mean, we're going to be talking $3 signs and what's your range for those? So $3 signs should be 100 plus, but honestly, if you're going to any of these places, you're, you're spending more. <laughs> How much more are we talking about? Like, what are the big, the big tickets here? Can get up to per person? It can be up to 500 per person. Per person? Yeah. Whoa. Okay. So these have to be really special, I would imagine. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Well, yeah. let's, let's get into it, my friend. Well, the, the most accessible one would be Raku, uh, which I had mentioned before was the first high-end Izakaya in town. They, I mean, before that, it was Ichiza, which dominated Spring Mountain for so long because it just was amazing value and still is. But Raku kind of took everything to the next level. I would say you could spend around between 100 and 150 per person. One of the hardest reservations to get in town on the daily. I don't know why, but there's a lot of Japanese restaurants that don't allow you to make reservations online, like on Open Table or Resi. You just have to call when they're open, which is very mm -hmm. frustrating. And yeah. Raku's one of those places. But when you do, you you definitely don't regret getting a reservation. So that was the maybe the original high-end ticket place in Vegas. What are some other ones that are thriving right now? So my favorite new restaurant of last year was Kaiseki Sangha. That's located, located on Decatur and Twain. Um, Kaiseki is kind of different than Omakase. It's a multi-course dinner where they rely on seasonal ingredients and they need to kind of adhere to an order of styles of food that they serve. For example, there's in Kaiseki cuisine, there's always a tempura course, always a meat course, always a sashimi course. So Kaiseki Sangha serves up a 10-course dinner, uh, kind of like dinner and show. The chefs kind of cook everything in front of you. It's yeah. a really cool experience, and it's two fifty per person. Whoa! Okay. And, uh, they they do uh, seatings, uh, I believe, five days a week now. If you're looking to do something like an anniversary or birthday, it's a great place to go. Okay. Next one up on the list. Uh, I also like Kaiseki Yuzu. They're a finalist for uh, the James Beard Awards uh, this year, 2023. Uh, Chef Karu and his wife Mayumi uh, have been running Kaiseki Yuzu. God, for years now, and it's another amazing course dinner restaurant that ranges between 185 and 300 per person. Okay. And then the ultimate one 
If that's not enough, it's definitely Kame, located at the Lotus Apartments on Spring Mountain. Uh, Chef uh, Eric is just, oh God, he's just killing it over there with just the best cuts of fish, the most amazing sushi dinner you could possibly have in town. And those start at three fifty per person, but really the the way to do it, if you're going to go all out, you might as well get the five hundred dollar level. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Does that include any drinks too, or is that just for your food? It's uh, technically just for the food, but they might pour some glasses of sake for you. There's a lot of poker VIPs and gambling VIPs that go there, where five hundred bucks is basically the small blind in their poker game. <laughs> So it's not that big a deal, but I have seen on several occasions where one of the ballers decides to treat everyone to drinks, (laughs) buy the whole house drinks and things like that. So it's a timing thing to get your drink in uh, as well. Right, right. But it technically does not include drinks. And if you're just walking in and have a couple drinks, yeah, you're looking around a $650, $700 dinner. Wow. And we're not talking about giant portions here. I mean, it's about an 18-course dinner, uh, so it oh, runs- okay. so, yeah, so they so, might be small courses, but they just keep coming. Yes, absolutely. So it starts with maybe, um, they call it the Zensai, which is kind of like a, an array of appetizers. They have this one appetizer known as the jewelry box, uh, which is like uh, very elegantly layered chunks of like otoro, uni, caviar, that kind of stuff. And then they do like grilled wagyu meats. Um, there's uh, a noodle course, there's a soup course, there's a bunch of other stuff before you get hit with a bunch of uh, nigiri. Uh, so yeah. it's, yeah, it's around a two hour dinner. If you do the late seating at eight o'clock, it turns out uh, to usually a three hour dinner. Wow. Phil, last question. What do you think makes Japanese dining unique in Las Vegas compared to other cities that have it? I think it's just the array of talent in town. Obviously, mm. a lot of these. Chefs uh, started, got their start on the strip, and so much talent has kind of bled out into the burbs. And I think that's really what kind of sets it apart. Also, the proximity to everything. You go to LA, um, you're driving an hour between top sushi restaurants where most of them are about 15 minutes away from my house or less. Oh, and it's, nice. just, it's just amazing to have this kind of, you know, have these options just so readily available to you. And that's that's really what what makes Vegas so special is it's just the amount of sheer amount of restaurants that are so good in a in a close proximity. LV Phil, thank you so much for coming back and sharing all that great food knowledge here on CityCast Las Vegas. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, Japanese cuisine is one of my favorite topics ever. It was really fun talking to you, David. Before you go, a microdose of news. The city of Las Vegas might finally be cracking down on those fake cannabis sellers. These are storefronts plentiful around the Fremont Street experience, which are designed to look like licensed dispensaries with regulated THC products, but they're not. Their products are actually unregulated and possibly even dangerous. A new city ordinance addressing this is in the works and could be discussed as early as today. Meanwhile, Leave it to the killjoys at NASA to debunk an alien landing in Las Vegas story that was um, convincingly making the rounds. It all goes back to May 1st when some Metro Police body cam footage revealed a flash of light in the sky and some local residents who called the police to report 10-foot beings in their backyard. 
Despite an apparently chill-inducing hunt, those are the cops' words, the police came up with no ETs, and NASA says the flash was a meteor. No word on whether the reporting homeowners were tested for THC, fake or otherwise. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you enjoyed the show, give us a star rating wherever you listen. And don't forget to subscribe to our morning newsletter, which is quickly becoming a source for lots of your fellow Las Vegans to start their day. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news and stories from around the city. Take care. I mean, yeah, the strip is like the training ground for a lot of these guys, and then they just kind of break out and do their own thing. One shining example is that of that is uh, Japanero, which is on Warm Springs. Uh, Chef Kevin, who originated from Nobu and is uh, was born Chinese, has kind of created his own kind of unique Asian fusion take on a lot of things. I mean, Nobu has a huge part to do with his success.